Masechet Nedarim Daf Pe Zayin. We begin with a new Mishnah on the bottom of the previous Daf. Nadera Ishto Vesabur Shenadra Bito. Nadera Bito Vesabur Shenadra Ishto. We have, uh, let's say, there's a husband and a wife and a daughter. And the wife made a vow, and the husband hears about it, but the report that he heard. He understood from the report that it was his daughter that made the vow. Now, this man has a right to nullify both his wife's and his daughter's vows. Uh, the thing is, he got it the wrong way around, so he thought it was his daughter's, and he said, I'm nullifying that. Turns out, it was actually his wife's vow. So, is that a valid nullification, or does he have to nullify it again? We're going to see in all these cases... He has to nullify it again. In other words, he has to know what he's nullifying. He has to know who, whose vow he's nullifying. And similarly, the other way around. If his daughter, in fact, was the one that made a vow, and he thinks it was his wife. Maybe it's from the other room, and their voice sounds similar. Or maybe he's just hearing a report that someone tells him, Hey, uh, your family member uh, made this vow. Or the Gemara will discuss, is it, is it that he heard explicitly that someone said, your daughter made the vow, but it turns out that the message was wrong? Or was the message itself ambiguous? Okay. Um, but the Mishnah says um, he has to know what, uh, who it's talking about. Now, next clause. Nadra ben Azir v'sabush nadra b'korban. Nadra b'korban v'sabush nadra ben Azir. In this case, he knows um, who made the vow. Let's say it was his wife. In fact, she made a vow that she's not that she's going to be a nazir. But he understood uh, his report that got to him is that she said, "I'm going to bring an offering, a korban offering," and he uh, he uh, nullified the vow. So he has to nullify it again because he did not understand the content of the vow. And similarly, the other way around, if she in fact uh, vowed to consecrate a sacrifice, but he thought. The report that he got is that she was consecrating herself as a nazira, uh, so he has to do it again. Third case: Nadrab mi teenim sabush nadramin hanavim. Nadramin hanavim sabush nadramin teenim hareze yachzor viafer. If she, in fact, said, "I'm not going to eat figs," but he thought that she made a vow against eating grapes, or she made a vow about grapes, and he thought it was about figs. So again, he he can't. You can't. He's nullifying, but he doesn't know what he's nullifying, right? He might have, maybe he has a reason why he does not want her to eat grapes, uh, but would be okay with eating figs. Uh, in any case, right, we see from all these halachot, he has to know the who and what of the vow that he is nullifying. Okay, now the Gemara is going to derive this. The Pasuk says um, that if, if a husband prevents her Here's the pasuk in its uh, context. If her husband restrains her um, by annulling the vow, so we're going to read this as davka. Uh, he restrains her, so he needs to know who he is restraining. So this is precise by adding yani, uh, by adding the word ota to not just prevent, but prevent her. So he has to know that this is the vow that his wife is taking, and not if it's actually the daughter that takes it. If he misunderstood who it was or what it was, 
then it's not in then 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 it's not a nullification and he has to go ahead and nullify it again when he realizes oh i i was wrong all along i thought it was a it's actually b whenever he hears b that's really when he is hearing the vow and so he has to nullify the vow that then he does know about okay so that seems to be clear enough but we're going to ask a question based on this and comparing two very different contexts that we might not think would be comparable we're comparing nullification of vows to uh, rending garments uh in mourning uh, regarding tearing garments for the dead, uh, says that when Shaul died, David took hold of his garment and rent them, and all the people also rent them, and they fasted of e of e until evening for Shaul and also for Yehonatan. Uh, okay, so there's a double al, and uh, perhaps they tore their garment twice uh, for Shaul, for the death of Shaul, and for the death of Yehonatan. Okay, so this shows that um, this incidentally is one place that we learn that one has to tear garments um, for, uh, for not only a father, but also a leader. Okay. Now, here's the problem. There is a Braita that teaches that if a person, if someone is told that his father died and he tore his garment, and then turns out he got the wrong report and was actually his son. So he fulfilled his obligation of tearing because he, te he tore for someone um, who is who he's obligated to mourn for? So he doesn't have to tear again. He already he already did it. What you see from here is that even though the pasuk says al Shaul that that one has to uh, 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 tear one's garments for the sake of a person. Uh, nevertheless, this is not davka. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you don't have to have in mind for that person. Um, once uh, a relative dies, and then the person has obligated to tear, so if as long as they tear, they fulfill their obligation, even if they thought of the wrong relative. And the same thing, therefore, should be true regarding vows. Um, was someone in the family made a vow, and then the husband annuls it. So that should be a good nullification, even if it turns out to be the wrong person. And so that is our question. And so we're going to offer one answer. Unfortunately, in this current edition, they missed a line. Let's look at the Sepharia version here. Uh, the See right here, we had the question from the Braita. That if he got the wrong relative, it doesn't matter. It's okay. He fulfilled his obligation to tear. So, Oh, it's not a question. The Braita about the tearing, that's talking about a non-specific report. Uh, a person, the messenger came and said, Oh, your family member died. And the person, I guess hearing it, thinks that, well, his father is old and was six. Oh, he assumed that it was his father, and he tore thinking it was father. And then he got a clarification. Actually, sorry to tell you, it was your son. Um, so he does not have to tear again because the report that he heard was nonspecific, and he was only assuming in his mind one way or another, but it was not specific that it was, in fact, uh, your, um, your, your, your son or your father. The report was not that it was father. So since it was only based on his internal assumption, 
and not based on the report that he had that he said that's why the uh, we can assume that the we can consider the tear to be a non-specific tear so that's fine the tear doesn't have to be specific a family member died okay uh he he tears his clothing for that family member whoever it is so it's not the wrong person because it was just not specific whereas our mishnah is talking about a case where it was specific the report came and said your wife made a vow and so he says i nullify that vow then the second report came and says oh mistake it was actually your daughter because it was specific a nullification doesn't work but if in fact it had been general and said oh you're a member of your family made the vow made a vow and says i nullify it even if he assumed there was one person ends up being another then that would be a good nullification so that's how we reconcile it okay going back to the uh the regular um uh, uh, the other edition uh so now this distinction we just made in this paraita we're going to prove that is a good reading based on yet another a second uh parallel and similar paraita this one says vatanya right in fact this the hair is not a question here but in fact is a yes we have a paraita that makes a distinction between uh a, 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 a non-specific report and an explicit report I'm the exact same case as the first Braita. A person is told that his father had died and he tears, and it turns out later that he finds out that it's actually his son. He does not fulfill his obligation to tear. So this is the opposite verdict. But we can reconcile these to say that uh, by saying that the first Braita is when he heard a non specific report, then it's okay. Uh, whereas when he heard a specific report, it was your father, and it turns out it was not, and he tore based on a specific wrong report, then it's not a kiri'ah. And this is a good reading, because look at the second part of this b'raita. If he heard a non-specific report, that a relative of yours has died. He's thinking in his mind that it's his father. And he tears with that in mind. And then it turns out, no, it was actually his son. He fulfills his obligation because he'd only made the assumption in his mind, but the report was non-specific. And therefore, we can consider the tear to be non-specific and it will apply to whoever it's supposed to apply to. Uh, so since we have in this Baraita uh, explicitly states this distinction between a, an explicit report and a non-specific report, um, in the Reshan Sefa, so we can reconcile this Baraita would be a non-specific report, and our Mishnah regarding vows would be a specific report. Okay, good. So we um, uh, we 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 resolved all the uh, all the problems, uh, but nevertheless, Rabashe is going to offer yet a different solution. Uh, perhaps he's bothered by the fact that this this Baraita, um, this it's standalone. Um, doesn't say actually uses the language of that's explicit so it really doesn't make sense to have the same exact setup same exact language and assume that in this baraita it's non-specific and here it is specific it should say it should say if you want to be non-specific so Rav is going to have a different solution to reconciling these two baraitot um, that we may be able to also apply to our mishnah
אוקיי, רב אשר אמר, כאן בתוך כדי דיבור, כאן לאחר כדי דיבור. Uh, here, in the first בדייתא, it's where he uh, recognizes his mistake, he's told about his mistake, within the time required to say a short phrase. The phrase is, שלום עליך רבי, a couple of seconds. So in other words, he gets a report, and it can be even an explicit report that says, uh, sorry to tell you, your father died, and he tears his clothes. Within two seconds, the messenger says, oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, it was actually your son. So since he said it within a couple of seconds of the tearing, therefore, uh, a statement that's within, any, any two events that are within that short time period are considered as one, and so it corrects the, um, the action, and so even though the intention technically at the time was the wrong intention, but because it's corrected so quickly, it's fine. He does not have to. It doesn't have to do it again. Yes, Whereas this this uh, second baraita uh, is talking about a case where it was not within two seconds. Uh, a person a person told the guy, "Your father died." He tore, and then only two minutes later. He says, oh, I, sorry, I made a mistake. It was your son. And so then he has to tear again. Uh, okay, so that's Avashe's way of reconciling these two thought, And we could apply this to the Mishnah as well. That the Mishnah is talking about a case where it was not corrected immediately. Someone said explicitly, your wife made a vow. And so he said, I know the vow. And then uh, uh, five minutes later, he says, oh, actually, it was your daughter. Then he has to nullify it again because that nullification doesn't do anything. But uh, applying this distinction here, if, uh, it's, if, he, he, if the husband says, I nullify that, and then within two seconds, the, the, the messenger said, oh, actually, it was your wife's vow. That it was your daughter's vow. Then it's okay. He does not have to nullify it again because if it's within two seconds, it's considered to be simultaneous. All right, so that's the second answer. Now, is explaining what I just said. Um, when we said it fulfills the first badaita that says it fulfills the um, the the obligation of tearing, that's when uh, the 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 new knowledge happens. Uh, within a short time of speaking of his tearing, whereas the second Braita that uh, says he does not fulfill it is when it's after the short time of speaking, it's a, a while later, uh, then the correction does not um, help and he has to tear again. Okay. Now we have Atanya. We have yet another Braita that will support Rav Asher's distinction uh, because this Braita says someone who has a sick person before him and the sick person in his house and the sick person fainted and it looked like he was dead. And so this is a relative and so the relative sees that he, thinking that his uh, loved one died tears his clothes. But turns out they weren't dead just yet. Um, and they were able to then take a few more breaths, breaths, and only afterwards did the relative die. Then that tearing does not, uh, does not uh, fulfill his obligation. A uh, person can't tear while his relative is still alive, uh, preemptively tear, so he has to tear again. Amar 
And Rabbi Shimon qualifies this uh, this statement and says that's only true that the tear does not qualify as a proper tearing if the if the relative died uh, a while later after uh, after a few seconds. Um, so then he has to tear again. But let's say the person fainted and I thought that it was uh, I thought they died. So I tear. Turns out they were alive at that time, but they actually do die. Two seconds later, well then, within the amount of saying, Shalom Aleichem Rabbi, is as, is as if it's simultaneous um, with, uh, with the first um, statement or the first act. But this also applies a lot of times when you say two statements together, right? You say, and then you remember right away that actually you're not eating your fruit, you're eating um, a, uh, a muffin. And so you correct it immediately and say, that's okay. You don't have to go back and say the whole beracha because you corrected it immediately. Okay. So, um, uh, so therefore, here also, because the um, the death happened within a couple of seconds of the tearing, uh, the tearing is a proper tearing and doesn't have to do it again. Now, see this baraita supports Rav Asher. Okay. Final answer. Hilcheta tochede dibur ki dibur dame. The is that um, uh, saying something within a short pause is as if it's continuous with that statement or event that happened. Uh, so it's as if it's simultaneous and um, therefore um, if it's a baracha, you wouldn't have to say another baracha. If it's an action like tearing, you wouldn't have to tear again. Uh, if it's a vow um, and I said, I said it's annulled, but then he gets the correct information immediately afterward, then it's a proper nullification. So within all of halakha, many different applications, uh, a statement within a short time is considered continuous, except for the following four cases. Megadef, someone who blasphemes God. He says some kind of terrible curse. And uh, then uh, within one second, he says, just kidding. I changed my mind. I meant uh, something else. Sorry, once you said that terrible phrase, uh, there's no going back and will, that person will be punished. Similarly, Avodazara, person goes to an idol and says, you are my God, I worship you. And then uh, within, uh, within a minute, he, reckon, he changes his mind and he says, no, I meant you are not my God. That's what I meant to say. Um, it, no good. It doesn't matter. Just by doing it, it's already worshiping idolatry. There's no way to help it, even within one second. Mekadesh. If someone betrothes li, and even within uh, within one, it gives her the ring. Within one second, he says, "Oh, uh, I I cancel. Okay, I, I changed my mind, right? Or add some kind of uh, other uh, clause. No good. They are they are betrothed. And similar with gerushin." Once a man gives gives the get and says, He can't go and take it back, not even within two seconds. Once he gives it, it's done. Um, these, are, these are all uh, very significant actions that take effect immediately. And the short pause will not change what happened. Okay, that was an important halachot. And now we get to the next Mishnah. Amra kunam tenim anabim elushani to'emet. This Mishnah is going to show a difference between um, ratifying vows and nullifying vows. Um, a wife says, uh, prohibited to me are figs and grapes that I will not taste. 
Okay, so the vow applies to these two things. And the husband hears about it and he says, I ratify the part about figs, right? I don't, it's good that she will not eat figs. She eats too, way too many figs. Um, and when he says that, in fact, the entire vow is ratified with the grapes as well. And so once he says the, the, fig, the figs are ratified, he cannot annul not even the grape part. So um, ratifying is kind of easy to do. Whereas for nullifying, if he nullifies and says, no, I nullify that part about her eating figs, then only that half is nullified and uh, the, the vow about the grapes will continue unless he says, and also grapes. He has to specify both of them. So you can nullify half of a vow. If her language is a little different and she separates the two and she says, like a prohibited like a korban are figs that I will not eat and also grapes that I will not eat because she says um, that I will uh, eat. I said not eat because she said like a, like a vow, like a korban, like a korban, figs that I will eat, meaning I'm not allowed to eat them. And then she separated it and said, and grapes that I will eat are also like a korban. So because she said it in two phrases, they are like two separate nedarim. Therefore, if he upholds, ratifies one of them, the other one is not upheld and he can nullify it. And um, uh, so they're, 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 they're treated totally separately. All right, good. Now, we're going to see a machloket about this. And uh, one of the ways the Talmud has of introducing a machloket is to say, first of all, even though there's only one opinion that's anonymous in the Mishnah, it's actually the opinion of only one, only one a minority opinion. And then we'll, we'll see who the other opinions are. Um, and that will open up the new possibilities of deciding what the halacha will be. Basuk says her husband can ratify it and her husband can nullify it. So you see the Pasuk is comparing the the ratification with the nullification. It also adds this not just Yakim, but Yakimenu, which means we'll ratify it or nullify it. So we're gonna discuss how closely should we compare these two categories, considering that they are mentioned back to back? So the case is exactly what's in Amrishna. Um, she says a, 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 a vow against eating figs and grapes, um, and the husband then ratified the figs, then the whole thing is ratified the grapes also. But if she, uh, uh, he, nullifies only the figs, then the other part, the brown regarding the grapes, are not nullified. That's the opinion of the Bishmael. So we see that's exactly the law in the Mishnah. So our Mishnah is in fact the Bishmael. Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says, since the Pasuk is comparing them, and uh, um, uh, the, that her husband uh, can she can ratify her husband can nullify it and yakimenu is short for yakimimenu from it um, uh, so too yeferenu is from it in other words um, just like regarding uh, ratification 
if he ratifies any part of it, the whole thing is ratified. So too, if he nullifies any part of it, the whole thing is nullified. So he thinks that um, part is considered whole. That's why it says, Mi menu, even if he nullifies a part of it, it applies to the entire vow according to the Biakiva. All right, so this is interesting that we have a machlok at Biakiva and Ishmael, and yet our Mishnah. In this case, follows the Bishmael. Usually, the Mishnah records many, many more of the students of the Biakiva and very few of the students of the Bishmael. Now, the Biakiva generally, uh, the Halacha follows him. So, it is interesting in this case that the anonymous Mishnah follows the Bishmael. Okay, now Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Ishmael says, I don't agree with your derivation, Rabbi Akiva. Pasuk does not say, There's two separate words, in which it would, in case it would mean that if he nullifies part of it, then he nullifies the whole. It just says, Not from it, just it. So I don't agree. Rabbi Akiva will counter and say they have to treat them equally. And uh, Rabbi Ishmael, you agree that regarding ratification, ratification of part means ratification of the whole. So too, since they're back to back, nullification of part means nullification of the whole. All right, good. So that and so far we saw two opinions, but now we're going to see a third. What we saw above is only the two opinions of Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva. Oh, look, the majority of sages doesn't agree with either of them. The third possibility is that, yes, we're going to treat them as totally equal, um, but we're going to make them equal like what Rabbi Ishmael says about nullification. So just like nullification, only what he nullifies is nullified, so you can nullify only half and doesn't apply to the whole thing. So to ratification, only what he ratifies. If he ratifies figs, then only that's ratified, and the grapes are not ratified. Um, okay, good. Now, so that's, uh, that settles that. There's three different opinions. Um, now, the next part. Amra konam te, I mean, most likely, right, we're going to follow Chachamim. Uh, so that seems to be the exercise of the Gemara here to say, oh, I know this Mishnah is anonymous, but doesn't mean that you should follow a halacha. Look, that's only one opinion. And Chachamim disagree with both of them. Um, and so, therefore, you have to take all this to account when you're making, when you're deciding the halacha. Amra konam te'ena. If a woman says uh, in two phrases, konam uh, te'ena, that I will not taste, and also grapes, I will not taste. Uh, so then that's considered two separate vows. Amra, and then certainly if he nullifies one or ratifies one, only that one and will, will be affected and not the other. Rava says this section of the Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Who said in another case, a similar case, um, that person is not liable to multiple offerings until he makes a shivua for each and every to each and every person. Here we're talking about a case of a person who makes a vow that he didn't steal from a whole group of people, like a class action suit. Everybody's suing him. Let's say four people. So if he makes a vow and says, I did not steal anything from you or you or you or you. So he's all said that as one vow. Turns out he's lying um, and he stole from all of them. He still brings one korban because he only made one vow. On the other hand, if he says, vow, I vow that I did not steal from you. 
And also, I vow that I didn't steal from you. And I vow that I didn't steal from you. And he said it. He said the a vow formula four times. Then he has to bring four sacrifices. So we see the Bishimon distinguishes between saying a vow once and applying it to many things. That's considered one. And so to here um, uh, is the same. Whereas if he says multiple vow formulas, even if he's saying it in one sentence, it's considered separate vows. And that's the same in our Mishnah, where, uh, where she says, um, uh, 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 separates the phrases by saying, I will not eat this, I will not eat, and that also I will not eat. Those are considered to be separate vows. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.